Hey guys, welcome back to this week's podcast. Today, we're going to be adding a spooky twist. We're sharing scary and horrifying story times. We also have a guest who works in an emergency room and often encounters patients that suffer from mental illness and addiction. All that and more on this week's episode of Young and Curious. I'm your host, Mom Mustafa, and I'm here with... Your co-host, Daniel Blas. Okay, first of all, before we get into today's episode, we are in the studio with a lovely special guest today. Um, Susu, how are you? Tell us, how are you doing? We're so excited to have you on this episode. Please, how are you doing? I'm actually super excited, but kind of nervous now. You started doing all this. <laughs> what? Nervous? No, don't be nervous. We're yeah, chilling. Yeah, don't be girl. This is a, this is a, FaceTime, this is a call. FaceTime call. Yeah, it's a FaceTime call. Okay, Susu, first of all, I want to say thank you for joining us. Susu is our cousin, but she's also a social worker, and she does work in an emergency mm-hmm. room. Um, So we always, like, just somehow, we'll always just be sitting down, like, as cousins or whatever, just chilling, having a good time, and the conversation will always try to spooky stories or something and we were like we Always. need to do a podcast we need to do a podcast episode about this so before we get into the rest of the episode please susu um introduce yourself who are you what do you do and why do you love horror stories or do you love horror stories so my name is sujud but all of my cousins call me susu um i am a master's in social work i actually have my license and i work in an emergency room at this time um, I basically just do assessments to kind of help people get to where they need to be who struggle with mental health illnesses and or addiction, um, sometimes both. And I love horror stories, but I hate scary things, if that makes sense. Like, I love uh, thrillers. I guess it would be more thrilling aspects of horror stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference story. between thriller and horror. Yes. There is. Because yes. I feel like a thriller doesn't necessarily have to be scary at all. No, it really but it, it's just that anticipation. Yeah. But I do enjoy yeah. the thriller aspect of horror stories. I feel like a good example of that might be the movie Sightless on Netflix. Have you guys watched it? Yes. yes. I actually haven't seen that. It's a movie about, oh about the blind woman and like she becomes blind after she got hate crimes. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's not necessarily is a horror movie. It is. Is this here? I think it is. Blonde. Yeah, it is a thriller. Yeah, it is a thriller. I it's a thriller, Sandra it's not Bullock's horror. That, right? I, think it is, I haven't yeah, seen I think it. it is Sandra Bullock. It's like, but, it, it has it's spooky movie. vibes, but it's like... But that's the thing with thrillers, like is they have spooky scary. vibes. Yeah, yeah, it's like, the, it's like the atmosphere of the movie is a horror movie, but it's not like jump scares. Well, there are a few, but like the overall movie takes place it's as a like thriller Annabelle. movie. That's- as long as it's not a horror movie i could probably watch it by myself but if it's a horror movie i need like a crew of people with me before we continue um you know we just introduced our lovely lovely guest but we're here with our co-host ranim how are you how are you feeling i'm doing amazing this is my favorite segment we should call it how's ranim doing (laughs) how's ranim doing it is because we have to check up on our girl ranim you know our co-host keep her comfy so how was your day what did you do today anything interesting um no actually it was a pretty normal day i had my club and I kind of did that. We're still in winter break, so this will come out right. after winter break. But right now we're just chilling in winter break, so that's why we're always just like the fact that I'm still doing school stuff. Like, yeah, I know that makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, um, but I personally am, am doing good. I just like completely redecorated my room, so I'm just like exhausted. If you but, saw like, his Insta. Yeah, right. But I'm I'm at I'm that good exhausted where I'm just like perfect for like just cuddle up to do like a horror story. So this is like so good for me right now. Um, this week's topic we are 
discussing horrifying experiences and we're going to dive deep to the scariest stories of our lives. What are our greatest fears? What makes our skin crawl? And most importantly, what near moment in our lives scared us to death? Those are the things we're going to be discussing, getting close to, trying to cover all in one episode. If we don't, it's fine. And we're just going to be talking, asking you questions, trying to get into the juicy story times for the end. But first, we have to ask you, what are your biggest fears? Like, that's the obvious, most obvious question. What are your biggest Bro, fears? Spill, spill the fears. I have I have a lot of fears, but also it's like I have a lot of things that give me anxiety, and I feel like that's a little bit different. Uh, yeah. Like, I have a lot of apprehensions, if that makes sense. Mm. Which, I mean, fear kind of is apprehensions, you mm. know, because of something that you consider it to be dangerous or whatever it may be. But a big one, obviously, everybody in my family knows about this. You guys know about this is clowns. I don't mess clowns. with she clowns. She hates clowns. I hate yeah. Let's get into that. Is that like a like a childhood thing? Like where did yes, that manifest? Yes, it's a trauma experience. Oh, I trauma. Oh yeah, we love that. Here. Oh yeah, running here. Yeah, right. Trauma. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually was. I think I was. This was before we lived overseas. So I was like six, mm. seven years old, maybe eight. Mm-hmm. And we went to this like convention center for one of our cousins was having like he was a make a wish kid. So he had like this. Right. He always had these cool little events that we can go to. And my aunt would take us with us with them. And so they would. I was um, invited. Like, damn. girl, you weren't. We alive. weren't born. <laughs> <laughs> but we had all these like cool. They had these cool uh, like things they would hold like where they would have bounce houses or like clowns and shows and concerts or whatever. And we went to this one and there was a clown there that was like obviously making balloon animals. And I kid you mm-hmm. not, I remember this at six, seven years old. This is why I have this fear still. Eye contact was solid on me the entire no. night. No. The entire night. And it was like, it was it was like a creepy stare. Very creepy looking clown. He was wearing overalls. So like already I was grossed oh, no. out. Red flag. Right. So I I was staying as far away from the clown as possible. But I went to the bathroom at one point, and it was one of those, like, family stalls. So you had to, like, lock the door. And this thing followed me to the bathroom. And I went into no. the bathroom. And I finished using the bathroom. And I walked out, and I went back to the convention center. It never went into the bathroom. It followed me back into the convention center. What, what? the fuck? Yes. So I was like, I'm getting kidnapped today. But that, <laughs> like, it was that that was the moment for me that I was like, I don't just, I don't do clowns. This my thing is like with clowns. When I think about a clown, I'm just like, what, like, where did clowns in history come about? Like, when did humans be like, I'm gonna wear a wig, put a red nose in my, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand the concept Honestly, of it. Like, why was that? I was legitimately like gonna look into that at one point. Oh yeah, like the killer clown thing that was going That's on. That's what I think. But like, yeah, I, I didn't. In 2016, where like everyone was chasing down cars with like clowns. So this is like worst year. Literally, oh I my god, to- yeah, I totally forgot I about that. That it. is so true. That would have literally been your nightmare. Like, you actually it was, like, I was scared that there was gonna be killer clowns everywhere, and people were like, especially because people would make like they were making Instagram pages that are like oh my gosh. killer clowns. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is like all areas where we're close to living. Like, we're not playing these games, yeah. No, that's terrifying. Honestly, here's my thing I think for me, clowns aren't a fear, they're a pet peeve. Like, I don't hate clowns, but if they're a movie, I'm just like, really, like, I just find it corny, tacky, and sometimes I'm just like, okay, it makes me uncomfortable. Creepy. I find yeah, it I don't find it like horrifying. <laughs> but speaking of pet peeves, I'm just curious since we're on the topic of it. What are some of your pet peeves when it comes to like maybe horror movies or when it comes to just like scary things in general? What are some of your pet peeves? For I me hate- personally, I'm so sorry. 
I just, just in case, forget this. That white girl in every horror movie that falls and she's like, or runs up like, the stairs. Yeah. Why are you running up the stairs? Like you walk the door. like past that the door to exit the home and you go up the stairs. Yes, and girl, if someone calls you and there's no one on the side of the phone, you hear breathing, you call the police and you run out of your house. <laughs> or like the monster, you can hear the monster in like the room and they open the door to see if they're still there. Like, girl, I'm tired. And you hide under saying. the bed like they're not going to look under the bed. That frustrates me because next thing you know, somebody's legs are getting dragged out. Yeah, It's always, yeah, it's always getting dragged by the legs. I always swear. And girl, if if you're with me in a horror movie and you fall down the stairs and you're like, "Oh my god, help me!" Girl, you're getting you're getting killed. I'm sorry. Good night. Uh, Bye. Bye. Your everyone life. Everyone fend for themselves when it yeah, comes to that honestly, kind of situation. It's survival. It's all yeah. for one and for all. We talked about like fears and stuff, and I have a genuine question for you, especially as a social worker. Do you find that some people's fears usually derive from like their childhood trauma, or do you find that usually like they come later in life? Because I've never met someone that's like 40 years old and they develop new fears at 40, except if something traumatic happens. So do all fears stem from like some sort of trauma or is it just like develop later? Like what really causes people to grow fears? And I know that that's not like your expertise, but I'm just curious to know your- Well, if you think about it, fear is kind of something that it's it's just, it's this, basically it's an unpleasant feeling, right? Yeah. And it's like, you're trying to, you're trying to, protect yourself from something so it has to have been based off of trauma or like a thought of there being some kind of threat or danger right mm. like you don't mm. you don't just develop fears because you're thinking one day like oh you know what i'm gonna be scared of the color pink but it's like oh right that's not how that works to an extent yes everything is derived from certain traumas but there's also like perception of trauma which can mm. be different for everybody so like the way i see something as traumatic is not going to be the same for even like my sister twins don't have the same perception of trauma so right. it's it's all i explained this in another episode it was you yeah go. your trauma or my trauma could be just another wednesday for you right that's my favorite phrase i know um i was watching this show and there's this like scene where this girl, she gets in the car, she gets in a car wreck. And after that day, she could never go in a car again, right? She developed this fear mm -hmm. of driving. Obviously, it's rooted in her trauma. It's just like a PTSD. She gets back in the car and she's just like afraid that she's going to, you know, so she has to work the therapy. And she was a grown woman. I don't see people developing the fear of driving without having some sort of trauma, whether it be they watch, you know, someone get in a car accident or they they were in a car accident or they know someone that got in a car accident. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't see a 30 year old mm -hmm. sitting there waking up one day being, I'm afraid of cars. I'm not driving anymore. So for me personally, my opinion for when fears come in and with all these horror stories and everything, they are rooted in some sort of trauma. So I feel like our trauma dictates our fears, especially from our childhood, like mm -hmm. with the being afraid of the dark and like the mm -hmm. ghosts and stuff like that. Like right. that's a thousand percent. Yeah. Everything has mm -hmm. to do with experiences and again, people's experiences are always perceived differently because oh, yeah. I'm going to see something differently than Ranim is, for example, or for Now I'm are. scared because I don't have any fears. Like, I like I know it's weird, but like, I like... Uh, no, no, girl, you have, have fear. Girl, have fear. If, a, if a flying bat comes into your room at 2 a.m. and starts making weird fucking noises, like, you're going to yeah, freak obviously, the shit out. But, that's, but, but you're not that's, thinking about fear. fear. Well, hold on, you're thinking about fear differently because, again, there's apprehension, but the a fear is just the thought of something that's a threat yeah. right there's multiple threats not, in your like, life i'm not thinking about like spiders i'm like scared like no i like like obviously if there's a bat in my room at 2 a.m obviously i'm gonna be scared like what the fuck but i'm like i can't think of anything i'm like i'm like yeah i'm scared of that like if i were to be put in that situation i'd be scared like i can't think like i don't know like i've never had that one of yours i know 
is being put on the spot. Yes, Uh-oh. that is that is a fear. Uh, I guess more, I guess my fears. Are got more you. Like, <laughs> I guess my fears are more like they're not objects or like they're not no, like they don't have to be things. Yeah, so they don't have I guess to that's be. That's why I can't really think about it on the spot. I feel like right. that it goes into my to next two questions. Object or a. A yeah. physical thing because girl i mean like if someone you know comes into your house that's not like an object it's a person like that's an experience of like dealing with you know a oh, stalker yeah. or something like, but my fears are more experiences so like i feel exactly, like yeah exactly. i think that's that's for most people like i mean like yes i'm afraid of snakes but like I, it's not like a fear to where like i can't get over it like i feel like if you know i worked with snakes or something like i would get over it mm-hmm. but my question is why is everyone afraid of the dark like what's the fear behind it is it the fear of unknowing is it the fear of just like not being okay. able to process your senses. I had this discussion not that long ago. I can say oh. this with full confidence. It's not being afraid of the dark or being alone. It's be it's that someone is with you in the dark. Because no. I was afraid of the dark when I was little. Well, yes, was, but no, girl. Always, the reason she said always, yes, but no. <laughs> but here's the thing: like, yes, for a lot of people, but and, and the thing is, you have to realize is everybody says. Some people will say, oh, I'm not afraid of the dark. But there's a difference between not being afraid of the dark and being in your bedroom. Right. right? Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. if you're in the middle of nowhere. like new- Or, like, in the middle of New around, York City. Just forget New York City. Talk about the woods or even just an a empty space of land. Like, let's just say Ooh. you are literally on an empty, flat surface in the middle of the desert. And you see nothing around you and you have no light other than the moon itself. That's no. terrifying. That's you are terrifying. by yourself. What are you, exactly? you have no sense of direction, mm. so you don't know where to go. But there's not nothing around the you, so there's itself. fear of survival. Yeah, but it's the mm. fear of what the, what dark can bring. Yeah, that's mm. what I'm saying. It's not right. what, it's not the dark itself. It's what it brings. What happens? Like, is someone gonna come and grab me? Is there gonna be a random animal coming to t- attack me? No, it's not. You're. No, I, I think it's also a survival instinct. Like, it's literally instinct, like from humans mm-hmm. for survival. When you're in the dark, you're more alert. Therefore, your brain is right. more cognizant of what's going on. You're always more aware. Obviously, like, if you're in your bedroom, you're about to go to bed, it's different. But, like, if you're in the middle of the woods, babe, and it's literally midnight, and you're running around here, like, what's that guy's name from Twilight? Like, but a wolf girl. Like, what's that guy's name from Twilight? The wolf? The Jacob? You can't say you're afraid of the Jacob. Dark, you're not like, afraid. you're not running around like Jacob from Twilight in the middle of the woods, babe. You're gonna be scared, okay? I'm tired. <laughs> but it's also Big just brain. like, like Muhammad was saying, it's a, it's about survival. Like, everybody's natural instinct is to try to survive right but also i feel like the the environment makes a big difference too like there's a difference between being home in your house obviously with like the lights off i mean for some gin is gonna come out and like grab me or something bye we're getting into that we're getting to that later girl don't next okay but my final question before we start getting into these deeper ones and start getting into like the bigger meaning behind this podcast is do you think that being Arab or being muslim or being an immigrant, or being any sort of minority unlocks new fears, affects your fears, or maybe hinders other fears, or stops you from fearing something. What is yes. your personal opinion? Susu, I'll let Susu go first, because I know she, I just, yeah, I see go. her, but she is ready to eat the I, shit up. Go she, ahead, she's a, yes to all of the above, because here's, here's what people fail to realize, is that there is a system that's put in place by the majority. And when you have a lifestyle that doesn't fit the majority's lifestyle you're always the odd man out so right. being the odd man out is a fear in itself for people being different mm-hmm. is a fear in itself for people mm-hmm. so that's a big like oh how am i gonna fit in or what can i do to like th- i have so many stories of situations that i didn't realize were people being systemically racist to me 
until I was microaggressions. Would you say exactly a thousand percent microaggressions? Like I remember, like my nickname in school was Susu. Everybody knows me as Susu in in school, in high school, and but why did Mm -hmm. I have friends in middle school trying to tell me they wanted to change my name because it was too hard? Like you know what I mean? And I had a fear of saying, I had a fear of saying, oh no, I don't want to change my name. Instead, I was like, uh, okay, what do you want it to be? Like, <laughs> you know? You know? So, I mean, there's just so many different situations that you grow up when you're a person of color, when you're a minority, when you have a different religious belief that can really affect the way your thought process is because you're always in survival mode or in fight or flight or it freeze right. even. Like, fight or flight is not the only responses, obviously, but... that's your constant is being that and when you're constantly at that point it gets really exhausting that's why a huge majority of people who are second generation immigrants or even first generation immigrants have such high anxiety or have symptoms of depression because you build up so much anxiety in your life that you start to kind of resent who you are Mm. as a person and that Mm. builds up depression it's just a long and winding story of things that are messed Mm. up with people's brains Right. I think also, like, when we talk about does being Arab, does being Muslim, does being a woman, does, you know, that open fears, of course it does. I mean, like, think about it right here, the privilege of a man being able to go out at night versus a woman to go out at night. That's a fear right there. I mean, think about being Muslim. There's fears unlocked with that. And there's fears that we also don't fear because of our religion. Like, for example, we have the fear of, you know, going to hell. Like some people who don't believe in religion don't fear that. Or not, I want to say fear, but that Mm -hmm. is something that we believe in, right? It opens a whole new thing for us. So there's always something that like opens up because of your beliefs and what you allow. Also being Arab, like being an immigrant, we always feared we're immigrants. Like we're prone to hate crimes. We're prone to to the racism. We're prone to the prejudice. That obviously grew a lot after like 9-11, for example, because I actually, I don't know, you guys obviously were not old enough, but I was old enough to remember the difference that people, you know, the way that people perceived me or the way that people acted towards my mom. Like, I remember wow. that vividly mm-hmm. as right. an eight-year-old th- kid. Yeah, I think for me and Janine, being, like, born way after, you know, we're talking 2004, 2005, you're talking, like, our whole lives, we were blamed for 9-11 without even being born. Like, we right. didn't even exactly. know. And, and people were just like, your people did this, you're responsible. And we were scrutinized. Right, and it was it's just like, like, I wasn't even alive, bro. I wasn't even like, alive. Being like, in, that, that, like, whole thing has being in, was being embedded since we were exactly. young. Exactly. So it's, like, it's a systemic right. problem. Right, we okay. hate the system. Imagine, like, we hate the system. Yeah, on the I'm, Patreon. Like, years old. Like, shit, I barely, I barely know your language. <laughs> Okay. Do you think it's normal to unlock fears or develop fears when you're an adult? Or do you think that's sign of trauma? Like if you're like 40 and you develop a fear of... So that's like, usually of... because you've probably suppressed trauma or you've had new trauma. Like I've talked to Anima about this all the time. Literally, there's there's such there's so many different types of trauma. I'm the trauma, trauma talker. That people, well, there's so many different types of trauma and people don't realize that you can develop fears or apprehensions or anxieties based on other people's trauma because you... Mm-hmm there's something called vicarious oh. trauma or there's secondary trauma and you can be a person Whoa. that's an absorber and because you absorb or because you um spend so much time with a person you know like for example you can develop trauma from the womb depending on your parents you know uh, experiences yeah that's so, so interesting 
it's it's terrifying is what it is so <laughs> right, <laughs> right no it is right like it's it's kind of scary to think that like something can happen to your family like my parents have had experiences and because they've had experiences they're more apprehensive of certain things so i didn't realize that i would develop a anxiety about certain aspects of my life because my parents mm-hmm. reacted certain ways mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah it's yeah. like it's like personally it's like my parents like embedded like being afraid to like being afraid to like go out at night or like just like anything mm. that involves a man my parents embedded right. like be scared like whenever like i'm in the grocery store alone and like there's like some like white male like 40 automatically have alarms scared. going off yeah like i'm like oh like, I'm you know just, what like, sweating that makes me start to like really think about the whole system because if you think about it that same logic about oh those fears can be embedded or unlocked later it can also like you're talking about how racism can now be starting to play a role Exa- in that well that's so the whole you- point of them talking about systemic right. anything the systemic part of it is that it's right. been going on for years it's ingrained in people you don't learn how to be racist you don't learn how to hate people you don't learn how to it's you know, embedded in you well you do learn it i guess that's the wrong thing to say but it's because it's embedded into your lifestyle and your generation and subconsciously. Exactly. Like, if you're thinking about so it, you it's learn like... how to be racist, but it's because mm. the people in your life have been that way for so long. Right. It's embedded in. Yeah. I guess the you wrong way. But now that I think about it, it's kind of like the whole thing of like if I see a certain person, I'm clutching my purse, I'm clocking my windows. If I see a Muslim right. woman, I'm being cautious of what's in her hijab or like what's in her bag. So or like those subconscious that looks like things. They're brown wearing a backpack in an airport. Right. Like, come on. Brown and black skinned people like being subjected to, you know, being followed around in stores. And, you know, right. I mean, we, we we can talk about like the Arab experience because the Arab experience is so diverse. Like you have white right. Arabs, you have brown Arabs, you have black Arabs, and you have like us, which are like in indigenous like palestinians who kind of just like you know and we can talk about that experience in the sense that now that i think about it as palestinians if you want to get into our palestinian identity for so long for the past 70 years people have been trying to erase our identity in a way to call us nomads calling us people without you know culture calls culture vultures people who just kind of like consume when in reality us being like indigenous palestinians that generational trauma i feel like is still felt today because our ancestors yeah, to an extent and, to an extent right i'm not saying like i wake up every morning and i'm like oh my god i fear being kicked out of my house like right but i think like if you think about it my grandmother who is still alive older than the state of israel older than the whole state of israel literally had to move from city to city to city from Haifa to um Burka to ramallah to a b c and d and she kept moving and moving until she was finally free from the nekba she was alive when that those ha- things happened and her passing those stories down to her mom passing those stories down to me, me, like that is felt, you know what I mean? That trauma is there. Obviously it's right. a different type of trauma. It's not like active to where it's, I'm like, and oh that's what people have a hard time understanding is that because of different types of trauma, again, everything is about perception. So even though right. I may not have experienced certain types of trauma, like I can still have a different reaction than somebody else because of the way that my body chemistry is or my brain chemistry is, you know? So yeah. somebody who has experienced, like you talk about, us, for example, we're second generation, okay? First. We, or actually, you're first, you're first generation, but I'm second generation. I'm an immigrant. Yeah, you're an immigrant, but yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm second generation. My parents came here when they were late teens. Well, my dad was early teens. My mom was late teens and got married mm-hmm. and had kids. So for me, my experiences are different than both of yours, and it's going to be different than, for example, kids that are still living in Falstein and going through all this trauma. Right. You know, like if I, I constantly keep telling you guys to watch the documentary, 
Girl, mm-hmm. I'm, I literally, so there's this documentary on Netflix that Susu has been recommending. And listen, I've been wanting to watch it. It's called Born in Gaza. And it's I the hardest thing you'll ever it. watch in your life. That's exactly why. I'm 20 minutes in. I was 20 minutes in. This scene came on. I'm literally already sobbing. Like, the movie hadn't even started, and I was already sobbing. I'm already just really emotional to these things. Like, I get really emotional very quickly talking about these things. And the scene came on the screen, and I'm literally sobbing. And I just, I, I, I personally just couldn't Couldn't finish it. it, right? I had to pause I it. I'm with you. I had to pause it was, when it I was, was watching hard. it. I don't want to watch it, but it's just like I'm so afraid because I I feel mm-hmm. like I don't want to say survivor's guilt because I don't want to put that on like a, that big of a pedestal. But it's but just it's, kind of it's like to a, an extent, yeah. Yeah, like a like not like a sense of like I I I feel like guilt is such a strong word, but like a sense of just like it's more damn, of like, like what can I do? Right, as diaspora, there's mm-hmm. not much we can do for indigenous Palestinians. So there is a sense of guilt, but it's not because mm. you're like. I have a situation that's different there's because in our even in our thought process we understand that everybody like especially when it comes to being a Muslim we understand that everybody's life is given to them for a reason right and you have to be grateful for the life you've been given but Which is a there good isn't point. yeah you know and alhamdulillah but that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna sit there and not feel things you know so you're I just mean gonna... I had a conversation with someone the other day one of our cousins and they tried telling me who by the way they are Palestinian just as I am they tried telling me that because our ancestors, ancestors, literally our grandparents, decided to flee Palestine, decided to flee Palestine and not to fight, that Palestinians and Palestinians do not consider us Palestinian. And what? I had this conversation. Yeah, hold on. Well, there's, so that's said, not false, but there, there's a part of it probably, but that doesn't necessarily mean the majority. But, but here's the thing. For you to say that because my grandparents decided to flee, Palestinians don't consider me Palestinian. Is not that the erasure of my identity? I'm still Palestinian. It's not going to erase off of my ethnicity or my, no, exactly. my nationality. That's true. I'm still indigenous Palestinian. Now, d- did my did my grandma have a choice? She was a single mother. She had four kids. Did she have a choice whether to flee or not? Was she what? Was she supposed to fight them? She had no choice, and she still lives there. But my parents decided to leave. My mom was born there, but my mom, like you have to understand, it's like asking someone. Do you want to be broken, poor, hungry, living in the shack? Nobody's going to say you know, no to opportunity. And then opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't give Palestinians the worst of the worst. Tell them they can't complain. Tell them that anger is a privilege and a luxury. And then say that if you do, then you're blank in A, B, C, and D. And then say, on the other hand, you can have opportunity, but you're not allowed to call yourself Palestinian. You can't do that. Because with that opportunity comes opportunities to help your own people. Like, look at us now. We have the, the ability to financially, physically... Just having a platform in itself is a big thing. Right, well, a that's the crazy home. thing with fear too, though, is what you don't realize is the ki- the kids that are living in the situation become desensitized to an extent to every type of emotion. So because mm. of that, they become more. I don't know how to explain it other than to say that they become a little bit less caring of their own well being. So they yeah. become more like you. You'll see it in the documentary when these kids talk about. They struggle with depression for sure. They struggle with anxiety, PTSD. Some of them are eight, nine years old and they're suicidal, you know? Like, you could become so desensitized to having this situation happen. All you're thinking about is, should I live or should I die? Do you think that's like a survival thing where the brain is like, I need to focus on surviving so, like, my mental health isn't a problem? So, like, they sacrifice their mental health in order to prioritize their survival in the sense that, like, Mm -hmm. for for children of Gaza, that's what, like, what my theory, I guess, would be, like, for a child in Gaza, their brain is taking control and being like, my mental health is not the most important thing right now, so my survival is. So they sacrifice their mental health. And at that, 
at that cost comes anxiety, comes depression. Do you think that could be one of the reasons, like their brain sacrificing? Yeah, but like even in situations with people, for example, who have been kidnapped, you know, they uh, have like the Stockholm syndrome. And the reason that yeah, that oh, happens wow. is because of survival, right? You got to survive whatever's going on with you. It's not necessarily that you're actually feeling a um, feeling of uh, love for the person who's taken you. It's that you're tricking yourself to an extent your brain is just trying to protect itself or when people suppress memories the reason that you can't remember certain things is because your brain is trying to protect you it does not want to remember those things you're not ready to remember those things you know and people are like oh well i'm gonna do a b and c to try to figure out what it is i'm suppressing don't do that you will mess yourself up you will mess yourself up. that's interesting because i was watching it for a reason Exactly. Right, I watched this um this um video about it was by Anthony Padilla on YouTube and he was interviewing people who suffer from multi personality disorder um and they all have like different alters and like different versions of themselves or I don't want to say versions of myself like different you talking about dissociative basically. identity disorder dissociative identity disorder sorry okay. it's not it's no longer called multi personality no, okay. dissociative identity DID and there's this girl that like was on the video and she was talking about how people with DID aren't really supposed to know they have DID because the brain gave them DID to protect them. So what when they find out they have DID, the brain's like, whoa, you're not really supposed to know. Like, the reason I have DID is to protect you because, you know, you can't handle, you know, dealing with all different situations of life. So you have different people in you, you know, hosting and alters and all those different things it, to kind of deal with it. She was like, obviously, there's people who obviously know it's not like going to be the end of your life, but you're not like the whole brain kind of freaks out when you find out you have DID disorder because the whole purpose is to protect you. And when you find out it shatters everything and you're like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? So I found that interesting. And I feel like that kind of plays on like fears of, you know, knowing. Yeah. DID is such a complicated diagnosis. Uh-huh. Like, so complicated. That I, I personally have very little knowledge on it. Like, despite how many people I I work with psychiatrists and nurse practitioners and doctors on Mm. the daily basis, but it's such a very complicated diagnosis that sometimes when I'm like reading things or I learn things or I watch like documentaries, like if you guys watched the documentary about um, Billy on Netflix, the man who the first person, the first person in the I guess in the state of Ohio to ever plead insanity and get away with it. That, oh my wow. god, that sounds interesting though. I have to watch that. I can't remember his I can't remember his full name, but I know his first name is Billy. But basically it's it's like that's such a interesting diagnosis, but the more and more you watch it, the the more it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. Like it, right, I watched the mixes, whole you know what I mean? thing with Anthony Padilla and they start talking about protectors and they start talking right. about the it's different terminology that we're never. What I've heard get. is that Every every person's system is what they call it is different. Yeah. Every person right, has a right. different system. Exactly, it all works differently, and I think it's crazy because I've watched videos. There has been like there's videos on TikTok, and like mm-hmm. I've looked it up, and it's crazy. It's, it's like, like there's it's a thing. It's real, but the way that it's perceived in media is like for oh, example when they did that like split, split. yeah, yeah split, like it, no, no, it's perceived as like They're they dangerous. perceive them as like psychotic and dangerous, yeah. and well, and I it think, can be. It can yeah, be but psychotic. But most often than not, mean. people with DID aren't going to be dangerous. Right. In fact, if anything, they internalize that right, and they exactly. become fearful. Right. Now, when people think about DID, they get scared. As simple as like, I closed my eyes and I can switch to whoever, you know, right. it's it's yeah. not that simple. It's it's such a, like I said, it's such a complicated diagnosis and everybody says something different that like, 
for me, if somebody, like, for example, comes into the hospital and says they've been diagnosed with, like, they'll say multiple personality disorder or they'll say DID sometimes, I kind of am apprehensive. I'm like, let me get somebody who knows what they're talking about because right. it's so rare and so misunderstood that I don't ever want to, like, and I, mess with right. that. You know what I mean? Right. right. And yeah. I feel like it'd be easy, like, it'd be easy to, like, manipulate someone and tell them you have DID when you don't. And that's you the problem I mean? is people try to use it a lot to because it did work for this guy, Billy, to plead right. insanity, people try to use it mm -hmm. a lot. And they, I mean, the thing is, is it, as complicated as it is, you can tell a liar. Right, from, right, girl. You're not all going to be Oscar or one actors. Person. For me personally, when I was watching the video. some people don't even know they have DID. Some people, like, right. it's ego. Right, it's undiagnosed, right. So for, for the girl in the video, she was talking about this experience she had where she has an alter, and it's like a, it's like a, a younger version of herself, right? And so she could mm -hmm. go to the store, to, like, the mall, and she'll, you know, switch and this altar will come up and she'll be in charge. And it's like this little girl. So she has the brain power of an adult. She has the body of an adult. She can, you know, process like an adult, but her vocabulary is that of a child because that's the altar that comes out. So for her, she says it's very, very scary because she'll, she will like when she comes back to who she is, she loses all memory of what happens when she was the altar of that child. So she will be in that mall. And when she, you know, wakes back up into herself or the host she will be like what the fuck just happened why am i a taco bell like it's scary to her right. because she doesn't know what she did she doesn't know where she was and when if she's at the mall like can she get kidnapped you know those things happen right, Sex right. Traffic. it's all those very all very scary yeah we, i went um a little off course here but i have two more questions we finally finished our question segment and then we get into the story times okay so i have a question for both of you guys and adim you can answer this first you can give me your personal opinion why do you think we're obsessed with horror movies? Like, what is it about us? Like, well, you know, we, we crave them. Like, I don't know if you guys understand. I will literally go to Netflix. I crave horror movies. I've been obsessed with this Turkish Islamic horror movie series about, like, the scariest shit. It's so scary. It's, like, two hours long. I don't know on your own with this we? one, buddy. Right? Yeah, on I don't know who's no. we, because... No you guys don't no like watch you okay but you guys have all watched like horror movies yeah. you all like scary movies yeah, so what like, is no, no 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 hold on i don't like scary movies at all that's the thing i hate scary right. movies right like i don't like to be scared i'm already scared enough what? in my regular day-to-day -day life you can you can <laughs> sit down in your bed at night and watch a scary movie by yourself i can't do I, that i literally cannot do that i cannot even whenever we're watching scary movies together i can i can barely do that like that, that alone. I have to be forced by family members to watch scary movies. Like, first really? of all, because you, okay, like you guys know. So you guys know my one of my friends that I used to work with, which who you you guys are aware of. Basically, yeah. every Halloween would we would watch a horror movie at work every single Friday. I would be typing notes. Oh my god! I would not be watching that movie. <laughs> I'd be typing the notes. And she would force everybody. Everybody loved it because they're all like horror movie junkies. And I was terrified. Right. She would do things like tried to scare me at work which worked because i scare very easily but yeah. like mm -hmm. we're not you know i'm not a fan of being scared unless i'm in a group setting then i might be okay with watching it because i have the protection of people around me but never right. will i choose to sit down and pick a horror I, movie i will pick a disney movie before i pick a horror movie right <laughs> just the idea of like some like okay when i think of horror movies i think of like ghosts and like demons i don't like and the, right. just the idea of like a demon possessing someone or like well maybe that's my question maybe i need to rephrase it maybe why are there horror movie junkies like me like i do not like i don't want to say the adrenaline easily. because you guys crave the adrenaline yeah right the yeah, adrenaline she... it's like okay well 
I'm kind of thrilled. Well, so I feel I like this is directed thrillers. at you, Susu. I feel like this is directed oh, at God, you because I, my next question is, what's the reason that we're obsessed with shows that are associated with serial killers? Like documentaries. Oh, I love that everything one. about it. That's I know, but okay. why? So I, my thing is I enjoy the um, putting the clues together part of it. Like making uh, the puzzle. Yes. Because I love, I love, I like to sit down and solve a puzzle. Like I can have right. a thousand right. puzzle in front of me and I'll be like, okay, let's do this. I like to right. like hear like riddles and solve riddles. And so it's kind of similar in that aspect that it's mm. like you're listening to all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, you listen to a murder mystery podcast or you listen to, you know, um, whatever, uh, watch a documentary. And it's like putting all the pieces together mm. and having it all make sense in the end. Because I hate cold cases. Yeah, I, I know. Right. It drives me crazy. It's, it's like, like why a cliffhanger. Can you solve it drives me crazy. It, it drives me crazy. But, but the thriller aspect and the aspect of like putting the puzzle pieces together is exciting for me. Yeah. It makes yeah. me feel mm-hmm. self-fulfillment. Right? right. But I think we can go into like the dark side of that question of like why do we like shows that are associated with serial killers? Because on TikTok, okay, there is this thing me. where people who will literally fetishize and like literally make fan edits of serial killers like the Hernandez it's brother disgusting. or the Hernandez brothers, Miranda's the Hernandez brothers. You know Hernandez, Hernandez brothers. Right. Yeah. Okay. But that I one watched is this a little... video. No, Menendez. Oh, what the hell? Menendez. Are all Menendez. Right. Those Menendez. I said Hernandez. But there. But that one. <laughs> said Hernandez. That one goes. That one goes a little deeper than like their. That one killers. is a little goes... different. But you're talking yeah. about like when you talk yeah. about fetishizing like but things Ted like Bundy, Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy, or like Charles Manson. Charles Manson had fans until he died. Yeah, it was disgusting. Yeah, it's, I think, well, here, I think, okay, um, but here's my thing. Hold on. Fetishizing, yeah, fetishizing. Yes. yeah, girl, we cannot speak yeah. English today, that, y'all. What is going on? Right. We cannot speak English. <laughs> Anyways, doing that to serial killers and like just perverts and like just men that are like weird—that's yeah. disgusting. That's. I think it's a well, power like, thing because I think it's a power thing. I think it's a power thing for mm-hmm. sure. Go ahead, yeah. I was gonna say the biggest thing for me, for example, with the Ted Bundy was the thrill of like how it all went down because it's all over now right so i'm like okay it all went down i want to hear beginning to end how it happened but if i was like for example the stuff that was happening not that very long ago with the gabby petito case i couldn't watch it as it was happening oh yeah right i was very much Mm -hmm. disturbed by that i was like this man is literally out there after he murdered this poor girl like i could not watch that live as it was happening but wait Mm -hmm. it was the couple petito Oh yeah, yeah. She was, oh. a, she was an influencer, right? Or TikTok? I don't know. Yeah. I think they had a. I think they had some type of. So yeah, some social media. I didn't. I didn't I know anything her about her before the situation happened. There is this instance that happened three years ago, two years ago on TikTok when I was first starting my, you know, come up on TikTok or whatever. And I remember me and my friends on uh, all my TikTok friends were talking about it on a Google Meet and we're all sitting there and there's this article that got released about this boy on TikTok and why basically how TikTok tried to cover up one of the biggest, most gruesome things ever. So it all started with this boy and he was like a social media influencer. He had around 400k on TikTok or whatever. And he made like a little announcement. He told his fans, I'm going to be going on live at midnight. So join it. We're going to have some fun. I have a very important announcement for you guys. So everyone's like, yeah, period, period, period. They get his live. There's around like, I think, 100 people on there. Three minutes into the live, trigger warning, he kills himself. Slashes his, both of his wrists. Three lives. The live continued to stream for six and a half hours. Continues to stream six and a half hours. And you could see his body. So, first of all, people were reporting this. Nobody did a welfare check? Right. Hold on. So he, this is midnight. His parents are sleeping. 
That's and so people are reporting this. Obviously, they're like, "Hey, hey, hey, TikTok, take this down." So TikTok didn't. I guess their system wasn't working or something. And guess how TikTok found out? One of his mutual friends, who was in it, who's a TikToker, had communication with TikTok. Went to the TikTok trust and safety team. He had communication with them, a direct connection, and said, "My friend just did this. Is this on live? Can you please take it down?" They then took that information, took it to the TikTok team, and instead of calling the EM, the uh, what's it called um, EMT or calling an ambulance or doing any of that, they kept it going for two hours and called their PR team. What in and the said, world? What the How do we keep this under wraps? So they shut down the live. They contact his parents and EMT at six a.m. That's when they they shut down the live at 6 a.m. That's when they called an EMT. So this person was dead for six hours before TikTok. And they TikTok knew for so three hours. So they cared That's more him. about the publicity than the right. actual child, the minor? Yeah, so Stands his like parents it. came up to wake him up for school. That's what they found. And they still hadn't found out by then? Jesus. So um, then now if you go on TikTok, what you'll see is literally you'll go on live. If you say one wrong thing, your live gets banned like that. Boom. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very hypersensitive. And TikTok tried burying this so hard. Like, if you look up these articles, you'll probably find one or two. A really good video that you should watch if you want to learn more about this um, was D'Angelo Wallace. He does a really good video about this on YouTube. It's like a 30-minute video where he really goes into depth. He makes a whole timeline about it, mm-hmm. starting from midnight all the way till 7 a.m. And he goes in-depth about the police reports and everything. It's very interesting. And um, you, you can just see how, like, that's horrifying and that can be traumatizing for the people watching that. I mean, imagine watching your favorite creator and three minutes into the live, they're dead. That's trauma. That's trauma right there. So that brings us to the story time part of this podcast, you guys. We're going to be going into story times. We're going to be telling you guys some of just, like, the, the maybe the funny, scary stuff, but also the deep, scar- dark, scary stuff that have happened in our lives that maybe affect that trauma. Just, that's, like, that was, a good, that was a good way to... To throw us in there, give us a second, please. Right, 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 right. Very dark and and deep. Okay, Danim, you are up first for our story times. You have a few, starting with your your mom jumping off a building. Start this off. My mother is fine. So I'll say that. (laughs) This is not... My mom does not have any mental illness. It was Uh, not anything like that. Well, well, she's not suicidal. That's what I want to say. I just want to bring that up. Okay, so when my mom was around like three, maybe older, right? She was young. Was yeah, like toddler. Yeah, she was young. She was yeah. like, yeah, she was really young. My mom has separation anxiety from my grandma. When she was younger, my grandma left, and my mom was my mom was yelling out for her. She didn't know where she was. My mom was looking for her. She didn't find her. So my mom had the amazing idea to go out on the balcony, and because that's like the only way to go down. Right. That's she just couldn't way. reach the doorknob. Yeah. For the main but entrance, the door she that had opens. the energy. Yeah. She had the energy to get a chair to get off the balcony. Right. She couldn't get a chair to open the doorknob. I'm tired. <laughs> I guess we know where I get it from. Um, Bye. Hello. You said it. I didn't say it. You said it. Anyways, so she grabs a chair and she goes to the balcony and she's hanging from the balcony. And she had the moment where she was like, wait, I might have fucked up. But there, she couldn't. she couldn't get back up. So there was only one way and it was down. So she lets go and she falls down and she lands wow. on her feet. And she, actually, um, one of our one of her uncles was saying to amputate her legs, but someone said no. I forget who it was, but she broke her legs. Yeah, Amputation was an option. Really break her legs? I really thought yeah, she was, someone, like, left this unscathed and walked away. 
That's the, I know, that's the story right? I was told. <laughs> Apparently, that's what that's what our grandma likes to say. That's what Teta likes to say. She likes oh, to say that course. he's fine. Which yeah. was the <laughs> uncle that said cut off her legs? What the hell? Yeah, it I need to know which someone. One. I think right. it was that. Uh, let's not say know. names it's okay let's leave yeah, it i don't i think that's something you oh, would girl. do now just get a chair and jump <laughs> off the balcony i think that's but what do you right now to look for someone it's just to do it yeah honestly okay oh it's like God. school 2019 our grandfather passed away Hama. that was the first major death in our family where we were all there present to experience mm-hmm. it it was definitely a tra- we were all close to him would you say traumatizing i would just say i would say traumatizing for me it hit I, yeah. really hard yeah it hit really hard say, for me because i I'd say it was the whole process it i think it was very, traumatizing for like, me to changing. be honest but that's yeah. just because i have different reasons which we can get into well we will we'll get into that but before susu gets into her reasons about why it was traumatizing for her i would say for me it was because i didn't know the process of like what goes into a funeral what goes into like burying someone especially religiously i did not know like you would see the body if it is present and then mm-hmm. you would see washing the body and then you would see the people wrapping the body you would see the people dressing the body oh you had you the would... boys experience we did yeah the boys experience is much different so we mm-hmm. we wa- witnessed people washing the body i saw my grandpa completely being washed and people just crying and sobbing his sons just sobbing while washing him is a very hard traumatizing thing so the first time i saw my dad cry that was not easy to watch and then to see them put them into the coffin and then having to bury him the whole religious experience was very very different because it was i mean it definitely like religiously that experience helped me find closure and helped me get over my grief quicker especially having to bury him faster that gave us time to spend time with each other but that was traumatizing but susu tell us why what were your reasons for you personally being traumatized so multiple reasons one of them um was i had just been in a car accident the week before like a really bad car accident my car spun out and i had nose dived into a dip a ditch (gasps) oh my god i didn't know semi truck i did not know that yeah i was literally like the week before a week and a half. I did not that. know this. Yeah, I did oh, not know this sure at all. You did. Your, your, both of your mothers came to visit me in my house while I was souped up on drugs. So, Girl. they don't so tell wait, you nothing. You were at the funeral, though, right? No, I was at the funeral because it was a few weeks later. This was like two and a half. You know that whole, that whole, that whole month, weeks, the whole month of February 2019 was the worst month ever. Yeah, I literally didn't go to work out. from like the middle of February to the middle of March. I remember whenever my mom, no, my sister, my older sister called me while I was at work. I had just gotten back to work, by the way. She called me and she was like, did you talk to your mom? Has your mom told you anything? I'm like, no, I just just know that our grandfather's in the hospital. And this was exactly the week before he passed away. And she's like, well, the doctors are telling her he doesn't have like weeks. He doesn't have months. He has like hours. He has days. Not even days, girl. They were were telling him hours. Hours, they said yeah. he, uh, your mom told my mom days. I'm sure she did, and your mom probably needed to hear that. But yeah, they they yeah. definitely told her hours. Um, if you're lucky, a week, which they were pretty right. So and that's kind of scary to hear. Like just that was that, horrible that to was, hear. I literally had a mental was, breakdown in the middle yeah. of a team meeting. <laughs> Our family has the worst. They have the worst way of like presenting bad news. Delivering like, any news? Yeah. D- literally. It's Good just or like, bad. I mean, the way I found out that? was from Ranim's sister. I found out from Ranim's sister. And the way it on Ranim's Twitter. Sada, no, that's not. It was the way that I found out like before, like the day of, was oh, from Sada. Like, and Sada sucks Sada at breaking came. bad news. Oh, like, yeah, she does. So no, because oh, Homegirl walked into my room and was like, CD died. That's it. That's all she said. She walked in, left. That's it. N- no emotion, no nothing. 
Phoebe died. She's Scorpio. I was like, well, by any chance, I don't know what she is. I had no time to process what happened. I had. I, I'm curious to hear about. Well, this whole... so I I went to the hospital two days before he died, mm. and he was he was a little kind of delusional at the time because he was just like medicine to try to keep him more comfortable. Yeah. But they were telling right. our family at that point in time, they're like, just take him home. He's he needs to be comfortable in his bed. Like yeah. he's gonna pass. Just let him pass comfortably at home. And our family was kind of apprehensive and worried about doing that. And this was exactly two days before he passed away. This was the Wednesday before he died. And I went to the hospital to visit him that night. And he was saying stuff that was like, he's, he was saying stuff in Arabic, obviously, like things in Arabic about like, warm up the grave. That scared me. And he wow. and your uncles and your dads were all standing there. And they were like, oh, my God, this is scary. Um, yeah. And I guess the, the day before that, he had been saying he was seeing people that have already passed away like in his dreams and stuff so wow. there was like that kind of thing was scary but then the day he passed away i remember i was at home i was in my bedroom mm -hmm. and aya was my roommate at the time aya our cousin and she was on the phone with she called her dad and he was coming on his way they were about to get on a flight him and our two aunts were on their way to the airport to come and see cd sundas mm -hmm. had just got there sundas lives in new jersey so she had just got there and she, she had was pregnant sick too. all day she was pregnant and sick all day she had a migraine so, like, everybody was coming to see him because they knew, you know, and his brother was coming from Canada. So, I called my mom because she had called me an hour before and she said, your grandpa's not doing okay. We're taking him back to the hospital. And I was like, okay. I called her just to check and she's sobbing, crying on the phone. This is the worst thing to ever answer the phone like that. Oh, Thank you, mother. Right. So, she's freaking out and she's just telling me, see the mat, see the mat, like screaming. So, she's obviously saying your grandfather passed away. And I was like, What? Are you serious? Like, is this real life? And then Aya obviously heard me, so she told her dad. So then I run down the stairs, and I'm telling my dad, it's the, my, mom, my mom is saying he passed away. My dad, because he didn't want us to, like, freak out, told us to wait. So him and my brothers mm -hmm. left. They went to the hospital, and then they called us, like, 30 minutes later and said, come, come say goodbye to your grandfather. So all of that was traumatic. But then being in the hospital yeah. was something in itself because they, we, we were, how many were, we were, like, 60 people in yeah. that. Well, yeah, at probably, the hospital, yeah. Yes, they, the they like, took out they, everyone in that area. Area we took all the patients out because I work in that they work in that hospital now and a year later one of the nurses said she remembered that they emptied out the whole unit and they did because they knew that all of us were coming and they didn't bother us because they saw how bad we were grieving so I remember her telling me that and I was like whoa we made it a great impact it on somebody it was it was horrible to see like all my cousins especially the boys who I've never seen really be emotional other than angry mm. <laughs> you know yeah. like just like that yeah. was that was very I mean it very, breaks into so many layers I, it literally it, it breaks does. into so many layers for me, when I found out, I was in the room with my sister and we were getting ready to go see him. And me and my sister were calling my mom because she had been at the hospital. And we were like, can we go come? Like, we just want to come. Like, what's going on? Like, no one was telling mm -hmm. us anything. Like, can we please come? We want to see him. No one was telling us anything. Ten minutes later, our cousin Sada calls us, tone deaf, no emotion, nothing behind her voice. Literally just goes. That's the worst. She, she literally just drops she the text. Deliver. She doesn't call us. She just texts your grandpa died. Your sister thought she was joking is the problem. Yeah. And then Summer found out she was being serious. So Summer looks up. She looks at me, my sister-in-law my other sister and we're all in the same room she looks at us and we're like what what what's wrong with you and she's like cd just passed away and for that split second i cannot even joke about this it was the most real life experience literally everything felt so heavy and dark like for just a second everything felt so heavy yeah everything just went dead silent and everyone just it's so heavy and then i turned behind me and i see everyone crying and I, it just felt like slow-mo almost for a second everyone just started hugging each other and we rushed out of the house we ran to the hospital and then there was two things that caught my attention first thing was 
seeing my aunts that just flew from the Middle East come the day of his funeral that they just missed their father and seeing them like walk in the door just sobbing was terrifying. That's and awful. then going to the hospital at the emergency room the night of and seeing his body and just see my grandma, see my uncle, see my dad. And everyone's just like crying. Everyone's like, say goodbye to your grandfather. And we were all just sitting there. And I, I literally just never experienced such a display of emotion from our family in just such a concentrated way where I was just And like, we were weirdly like wow. in sync as a family. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it other than saying in sync because we like we were so respectful of each other's time and space that mm. every single person gave every single person a chance to stand next to him and like say goodbye to him. I don't mm. know how like nobody took I, at least from my perspective, nobody took up more time than anybody else. And we yeah, were all trying to make sure everybody had an opportunity to come and see him. Mm -hmm. When I was saying about the CD, just like how comforting like having family was it just really showed you the importance of family at your darkest times like really i don't think any of us could have gone through that without our family we still it was really we hard. still found a way to smile and laugh yeah we were because making we jokes like nobody's business and right it was a few hours later the most awful way to do it. we were like this is how we cope <laughs> yeah well it, we it, were like upstairs was... eating pizza we we're like Laughing. literally sitting in the carpet like trying to not get sauce on the floor and we were laughing yeah. about it and we're like our grandfather just died but let's just eat pizza on the carpet susu this is about your mom but that's another thing oh, that came my attention was us leaving the hospital and your mom was holding his clothes and oh, someone told her are you gonna throw those away the nurse asked if she wants to throw those away she's like why would i throw them away i have to go give them to my dad he's at home what are you talking about i was gonna give them to my dad mom was delirious and yeah, literally, and I felt I could just seeing her like that, and like in that state, I've like seeing my aunt like that. I was just like, wow, like obviously she has lost her father, and just being in a situation. Yeah, and the, like the, the aunt was the nurse was just trying to be like, hey, she can still I, like, wears his sweater like to this day, mm -hmm. all the time. She literally they didn't tell my mom. Right they didn't because yeah. my mom, because you guys know how my mom gets when like stuff like this happens. Like my mom's like she's really bad, so they didn't tell her. They didn't tell her until she got to the hospital, and that's when she found out. She found out literally seeing her father. Like that's. That's and I think, and in, in a way, I was like, in a way, I was like, why did you guys do that? But then I understand, but like, I also understand. But it was like, you guys could have told her, like, on the way, like. The terrifying but, thing you know, was my dad's experience. He was the one who drove my grandpa to the right. hospital. Right, that's that so, whole thing scares me. So my dad was in that car. Depth. I feel so bad. Everyone so my dad car. was driving his father. He was in the passenger seat, and they're driving. My dad is literally going a hundred and some miles on the freeway, like speeding to the hospital. And my grandpa's in the passenger seat, and he's just like, yeah, but just stop, just stop, just stop. Like, he's just telling my dad to stop. And then he just starts being put on, and he looks at my dad, and he's just like, I love you, like, all these different things. And he's talking, he's just like, I love you. And my dad's just, like, obviously getting emotional. He's just like, don't talk like that, Baba. We're at the hospital. Just stay with me. Stay with me, basically. And then they pull up to the hospital, and they just see my, my grandpa's head tilt. And that's when he passed away. He passed away before he went to the hospital, but they didn't announce him dead until he was in the hospital. But he... He passed away in the car on the way to the hospital. They tried to resuscitate him, I know, but the at the time that they, he got there, he was already passed. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that experience, just hearing that from my dad, I mean, I couldn't imagine being in that car. So okay. I had this um, horrifying experience recently. Obviously, nothing compared to what we just talked about. Everything's going to seem very dim after that. But um, right. I was making butternut squash at school, right? And I was oh making butternut God. squash chili at school because we had this cook-off. And basically, we had to see who was making the best butternut squash. I'm cutting this butternut squash. If you've never cut it before, this, this is a vegetable. I don't know. But basically, it's very tough. Okay? It's very hard to cut. 
So I sliced my finger like twice at school doing it, but it came out so good. I was like, I'm gonna make this when I go home. So I went home the next day. I got all the ingredients. I was cutting the butternut squash and I just feel the butcher knife that I was using like a dumbass literally carve a part of my finger out and I saw the bone of my finger. Trigger warning. Oh, okay. Now the bone oh, of gross. my finger was literally showing. I'm literally screaming in the back in the kitchen. I'm wrapping it with a bounty paper and I'm look looking at my mom. I'm like, take me to the hospital. She was like, don't bring that near me. That's disgusting. Let your brother take you. I'm like, girl, are you serious? And then I look at her. I'm like, mom, please. She's like, you're getting blood on the carpet. I'm like, you're a fucking psychopath. Like, what is wrong with you? There's literally a chunk of my fucking skin. I still don't know where it is. I think still I still think it's in the chili till this day. <laughs> but I literally what had this like, Someone, like ate it. Missing. I was so scared. I felt like I was dying. There was so much blood. And I'm like, oh my God, mom, please take me. Please take me. She's like, you'll be fine. Just put a napkin over it. I'm like, you're done. You're done. So I let my brother take me to the hospital. We went to Earth care and they were like oh that's pretty bad huh i'm like yeah they couldn't do stitches because it was so <laughs> wide and so deep they couldn't do stitches oh no so i literally had to just wrap it and then when i went home i, I continued making the butter that squash chili and he still makes it till his day no, I no. really want you to make me you some please. So it's so good though right i'm on a vegan gluten-free diet though so it needs I can I can go no problem I can do it. There's no there's no gluten in there except for the vegetable broth. I just have to get gluten free vegetables broth. That's it. God Next, God bless. Cut but like God bless. God bless. Sorry. After this freaking traumatic experience, I would say that's kind of traumatic. Like yeah, you literally well, like, cut. Your but here's the thing: it was so it. bad. You're still making it. It was still making, it, but here's the thing: it was so bad to the point where like I would use the fingerprint ID on my iPad, and it, was, it could not work because I lost my <laughs> fingerprint. Like you can still like literally like it's not there. Like there's no fingerprint. It's so bad. Um, yeah. This brings me to my next story. I was talking about like traumatizing experiences, and there's this time where we used to live in our old house when we like roughly first came to America and growing up in a house of seven siblings, we were always fighting always constantly <laughs> beating each other to death, kind of fighting. Like right? we would literally like suffocate each other to death because it was just kind of the household we lived in. I'm survival. surprised none okay. of you ever had real like major injuries. I think Abe's knee popped out of his skin. That happened. Well, um, your brother broke my finger once. Elbow. Yeah. There's a lot because he threw a pop or at me. the time that the time that Amin's finger literally broke Dude, in half. Yeah, well, we did. girl, this is just regular. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is regular. Like, this is not even parents. Like, this is just other siblings. You never, you never see like cousins breaking each other's fingers. Like that's a normal well, thing. That's like, because Ibrahim was a heathen as a child, and he yeah. threw a freaking firework popper at me and broke my finger. My sister was just getting so annoying, and she was just like, I don't know, oh, she was, was just getting annoying. Child. And mind you, this was during the summer, and I had like the worst sunburns on my back. And I wasn't wearing a shirt. I just come back from the pool and I had the worst sunburns on my back because I, I just like would literally lay in the pool with no sunscreen or anything. And my sister starts slapping me as hard as she can on my sunburn on my back, just slapping me on my sunburn. Do you know how painful that is? So I'm literally Harry. screaming, screaming at the top of my lungs for help. Our neighbor decided to call the police and the police showed up <gasps> to school the next day. I love that. And they were talking oh to my sister my and they were like, so... The neighbor said that there was some abuse complaints from your house. Is everything okay? She's like, oh, yeah. We were just wrestling. Like, me and my siblings were just, like, wrestling. Yeah. And we had a <laughs> patrol car from the cops uh, patrolling our house for the next three days. I'm weak. That's I'm not surprised so because your octaves that you reach are pretty high. And yeah. Mimi's abuse to you was <laughs> pretty extensive. Strong was, and, no, strong. it was a time that my – first of all, our neighbors were assholes because I was singing Adele once in the shower. 
And I was so loud, apparently, that she thought I was kidnapped, and she called the police because she thought that there was a kidnapping. Singing Adele. Oh. Singing Adele. I was literally singing "Rolling in the Deep." Girl, I'm about to roll you in the deep. Yes, yeah, six feet under. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. One thing I fear the most, and this is kind of like off of story times, but it's gonna go into Susu story times and stuff. But one thing I fear the most, and this is less of a like a story and more of the kind of thing people do to me, is if you can look me in the eyes, especially friends, if you look me in the eyes and you can lie to me, I'm scared of you. I'm scared of you. I'm scared of you. If you look me in the eyes and you can lie to me bold face, I know you're lying. I'm actually afraid of you. And I've had friends who've done that. And I we talked about this experience we had with our friend Michael and how he would literally look us in the eyes and be like, my dad had a heart attack. His dad never had a heart attack. He would look us in the eyes and talk about some, oh yeah, I was at this party with Nikita Dragon and she made me sign an NDA and then I had to go to the ambulance. And those bold lies that you know he's lying, he would look us in the eyes and tell us that that's scary to me. I'm actually afraid of you. It makes me think, why do people lie over the smallest things? You know, all those different things. Like, why would you lie about your father having a heart attack? Like, you're, like, you're actually psychotic, but um <laughs> let me tell my let me let me tell my last story because this one happened recently and then susu you have the floor so um recently i accidentally decided to go into the little razor cabinet in my bathroom <laughs> i pulled out this razor because i was just like let me give myself a cute fade right if you follow me on tiktok if you follow me on instagram you know what happened i pulled out this razor not knowing razors have guards that cut at different levels i just let a little bit up on my sideburn and completely gave myself a skin bald fade <laughs> that was literally all the way high to like where my forehead is on the left side of my face. And it was literally so ugly. I looked like a middle-aged emo woman that was trying to like be an edgy teen. It was so bad. I literally that day was having a mental breakdown. I was like, what the fuck? It was so scary because I was like, oh my God, am I going to look like this for the rest of my life? So I called my um, cousin, aka your sister, Sisu, and her fiance was um, in town and he's a barber. So I was like, let me grab my razors. You come cut my hair. And he did a good job. But this happened on Christmas, by the way. Christmas. Christmas. It's a great way anyway. to have Christmas. It was All not right, a Christmas miracle. So I, I'm I'm gonna just give a little bit of examples of like for example you're talking about people who like lie to your face, which I mean obviously mm -hmm. sometimes when you're in a hospital setting you're gonna try to lie because you don't want to get in trouble or you don't want to make it seem like right your your symptoms that you're trying to right describe or diminished but we had a patient one time that mm -hmm. straight up just lied to my face about everything literally everything you know we would ask her like where do you live oh well i'm not from here well who do you have you know where, where are you staying oh well, i'm just driving through uh on my way to i think she said she was on her way to like wyoming which i'm like that's not the right Hello? direction sis <laughs> so what and she was coming from like she was coming from i don't even remember somewhere south i think alabama i don't know i was like yeah if i really alabama bitches. i have no geographical like sense so I right. really mm -hmm. believed her for a minute. I was like, oh, okay. And then I went and looked it up on a map, and I was like, what the hell? Like, this isn't real. Right. Oh so God. she lied about everything. She lied that she had used any drugs. She lied that she had – well, she was from the Dayton area, but she had been in Alabama for the past two years. We had, like, all her chart history, all this stuff. And, like, I don't even I, I don't even know how it got into it, but, like, we were, we were able to see, like, everything. We do tests and labs and all that. She'd been souped up on any drug you could think of, whatever. Oh, my God. Right. And the car was, like, missing that she had come in. <gasps> right. 
so we were like, where, how'd you get here? Like, where's the car, blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh, well, my boyfriend has it. That's the only thing she told the truth about. Her boyfriend had the car. And he was, like, just driving around the streets waiting for somebody to tell him where his girlfriend is because they got in a fight and she got out of the car. And then she, the whole point of her coming in was because she. It sounds like an episode of Shameless. Literally, the whole point of this woman coming into the hospital was because she almost beat somebody's window in car window in what the so they're fuck? like oh this what woman's psychotic fuck? right they're like this woman's psychotic no she's not psychotic she's high but <laughs> she like literally came in because the police were like oh she's a danger whatever so she came in and was like super confused obviously but we call her boyfriend and he's like oh okay she's at the hospital i'm gonna come oh you can't come sorry you gotta wait oh and he was like yeah she saw another car i guess or she she left the car, I guess, because we got into an argument. Well, she tells us that she got into an argument. She went back and she wanted to beat him up. So we're like, okay, well, I mean, I love that you guys have an abusive relationship. This, by the way, this is all, <laughs> like, such a mess. But anyways, so she, everything that she had lied about, we had went back and we went to, like, call her out. And we're like, so you're not, right. you're not from, or you're not, you know, from out of town. You're from here, but you've been out of town right. for a while. She goes, oh, yeah, 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 that's right, mm-hmm. that's right, that's right. And we're like, okay, but you also said you didn't use any drugs. Oh, yeah, 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 I did, I did, I did. Okay, and you also said blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I did, I did all of those things. She was like, I just didn't want you guys to keep me here because I don't want to stay and I just want to go home. And we're like, well, you, you lie and you, that makes us a little worried. But then she so, willingly you know, go in? I like that she think you guys would No, the these, police these brought her in. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in the, at the end of the day, she, like the point, the, the, the concept of lying is not far from anywhere right. when it comes to working in mm-hmm. mental health or substance abuse because everybody is trying to like cover for themselves or whatever right. right there's also people like that that so that happens so often that people are lying to you that when people come in and tell you the truth you're like are you being maybe, serious you know yeah, it's you're just, like, i find that so interesting how like your job i feel like it doubles almost as a detective like the way you have to like oh, investigate it these people's lives oh it does, <laughs> oh, it does. let me tell you something I, I did not write i didn't want to be uh i didn't want to be a social worker that wasn't my initial plan i wanted to be a detective but what mm-hmm. i did not want to do was be a police officer never in my life did right. i want to be a police officer and in order to be a detective you would have to be a police officer and i was like mm, not happening so mm. i initially went to school studying criminal justice like maybe i'll become like a lawyer or something which i still have like the likeness of be wanting to be a lawyer but i don't want to being able to have like this, the you're, you're literally trained in how to talk to people or how to right. um, look at people's like brain chemistry, and wow. obviously a lot, a lot of my background is in mental health and psychology. My entire right. background is based on mental health, so I have a very, I have a decent understanding of mental health, right? Right. So when somebody does come in and they're like actually like psychotic and they're telling you things that you're like this sounds like it should be a lie but it's the truth or at least it's their perception of the wow. truth oh my god if that's not the scariest thing ever like when you meet somebody who's like truly psychotic oh it's the most terrifying thing ever it really that's is because scary. you're like well your brain has to be so it has to be such a to such a point that it it's like this lady who came in one time who just did not speak any any sense she was so nonsensical just everything she said was gibberish just Mm. complete gibberish 
And right, she wow. was talking to you with a straight face. Like she was like, yeah, I'm telling you this. And you're like, I have no idea what she said. Yeah, not eight. What's good? The cat in the right. window next and to the bed in the door with the portal in the black hole, girl. What you talking about? Like, it, it, no, no, exactly like that. And you're like, this sounds like an, a Dr. Seuss rhyme. But it makes sense like, to them. But it Seuss. makes such sense to her. And you're right. just sitting there like, oh my god. Like, bitch, what are so, you saying? That's what I'm saying. So like, when I have people who like are actually liars all the, like lying all the time then it's not a big deal because you're like okay we can find we can call you out in your lies but when somebody mm-hmm. comes in and they're telling right. you the truth or they tell you like an experience they have like like told you guys about like the cult situation like oh, this woman who was oh in a god, cult oh my god that i can't scary. tell the whole story because it's so freaking long it's not gonna yeah. be it's gonna take yeah. three days episode. long literally yeah. it literally was three days long this the situation <laughs> of this woman talking about all the stuff she's been through i'm like this does not like it's, she was talking about satanic things and she was talking about like different religious aspects that like mm. i have yeah. an understanding of because i did study a lot of things in religion but like my coworker mm-hmm. was like is she making this up i was like no girl this is real she's <laughs> talking about real stuff like this is real yeah. and we and yeah. i would like and i literally had to google it because there's like a documentary about the cult that she's a part of and I showed it to my coworker. She's like, this is real. And I was like, yes, yeah. sis. This is <laughs> real. This is it's real. real. That stuff is, I think that's the the most thrilling part of my job is being able to see like the the real true psych stuff. Yeah. It's like scary too, because it's like that's that's people's actual experiences. Like, holy crap, that's Yeah. That's also like life. having mm-hmm. people with like this those distorted realities, it's very scary because it's like how do you even help those people? Because it's like, if that's your genuine disorder reality, it's like, where do I even start? I have to break your sense of reality. And that's already- And you have already, to figure like, out what the, like the the thing that is causing it is. Yeah, yeah. So there's all those things that go into it. And I feel like it's kind of all consuming because first of all, you have to find the root of what's causing them to be like, okay, I'm seeing every, like, you know, my whole perception of reality is completely distorted, but it's my truth. Do you, like, is it beneficial to even break that sense of reality? Or is it better Sometimes to just keep not. like that? Right. Sometimes so is it better to just keep them like that? Like cuckoo, maybe it's better for them to be cuckoo. You know what I mean? Like you wanna know the best part about my job is I don't have to worry about that part. Right. I'm so serious. Right. It sounds so Period. bad and it sounds so selfish, but I do not have to worry about that part. My my right. job is yeah. to get them to the person who does. Right. And Period. I can do that. She because said, I'll book your appointment for five. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I will send you, you where you need to go. Work? I will right. I do all the background so I can help that person out. Like when I say mm-hmm. all the background, I mean we do deep dives. Like we We'll find things right. out that I never thought I would be able to find out. I'm like, this. I play detective every right. single day. Every single day. She said, you cheated on your husband? She said, damn, I don't even... She said, damn, you don't know that. Do you know how many times I found out somebody's been cheating on somebody or somebody's been... Wow. Like, and I'm like, <gasps> damn, y'all just really out here living your best lives. Like, damn. Bye. This is just knowing all the tea. Oh, my God. Literally, we've had people come in, right? We've had people come in who are like couples. For like different reasons and you'll find out that one person's like mindset about the other person or like one person's and somebody might have cheated on this person or somebody did wow. this to the other person or somebody stole this much money it's like high school person. all over again yeah, no girl it's <laughs> it's it's insane i watched watching this video about this mother who she was trying to have a child for 16 years with her husband she could not get pregnant she had to have multiple surgeries he had to have multiple surgeries finally she got pregnant and she was just like, yes, this is it. Like, yes, 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 yes. Fortunately, she had a miscarriage. She was like, Unfortunately. Okay, Unfortunately. And so then she got pregnant again, like a year later. So she had that baby. And she started talking about how 
that baby, what she would see was that, mind you, she had not told anyone except for her husband about the miscarriage. And she named her first baby the miscarriage Elliot. And her second baby's name was Jake. So why was the baby Jake keep running around talking about some Elliot, Elliot when he got older? And he kept Mm-mm, saying shit like that's that. That's creepy. You. And so she was Stole just the whole like, child that's away. So weird. I'm sorry. Right. And so he would literally say something like, Elliot. Now, she, she told her mom eventually about it. And she was just like, he keeps running around going, Elliot. She was like, you know, that's like, whatever. Maybe he heard you guys saying about it. She's like, I've never talked about it in front of him. Okay, whatever. That's cute. Move on to the next chapter of his life. He starts going to school. His first friend's name is Elliot. <gasps> Stop. I can't handle this. So she was just like, that's so strange. And her husband was like, girl, you're looking way too deep into this. Relax. It's never that deep. She's like, no, like that's not like, that's not normal. Like there's something going no, on. Right. Like, she felt like her son might have been vicariously living through it, whatever, like whatever her religious beliefs were, whatever. Okay, whatever. Move on down the line. She hasn't heard her son say Elliot at all. Weird stuff was happening. I'm not going to explain all of that. I can sit here for a whole episode. But weird stuff was happening. Stuff like that. where he, Things like that was happening. They're 30 years old. This, this her son is. He's, the what's it called? The woman is like on her deathbed. And she was ready to tell him about the brother miscarriage. He, he didn't know. And she had never told him about the miscarriage. He comes up to her. And he goes, oh, by the way, I found this for you. And it was this ring on the floor. Or like she, he had got it for like a thrift store, like a flea marker or something. And engraved in the inside of the ring was the name Stop. Elliot. And she was just no. like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? M- mind you, you have to take into consideration that their father was dead at this time. So his, who was no longer alive. So she was on her deathbed. And her son was just like, there was all these weird instances. And I, I mean, you can't really get the full girth of the story without watching this documentary or like this whole her story or whatever it's given an abortion babe. right like uh, about that <laughs> about that about given... that oh no that's a definite no. um i'm your host Mo mustafa and i'm joined here with our lovely 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 guest who will be joining us soon in the future again susu give it up everybody Thank you for Thank joining you us. Thank you guys Susu. for having me. Love you we both. Love you. Appreciate it. So proud of you guys. We love you. We love you. And of course, love our you. lovely, lovely co-host, Raniem. Raniem, we love you. My girl, hey. Raniem. We, we will definitely be doing this again because I seriously love you. So we will see you guys next time. We appreciate you guys listening all the way. Thank hey, you for listening. You. And make sure to stay curious. Our podcast comes out every other Monday. Be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for tuning in to Young and Curious. I'm your host, Mo Mustafa, and I'm here with... Your co-host, Renima Bukhas. Bye! Bye.